0: Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And we love interviewing fellow dads on the show, especially fellow dad bloggers. And uh, my good buddy is Casey Palmer. I've known him from the data sphere for the last few years, and it's great to connect with him here on the Google Hangout, the YouTube, and the iTunes. We actually broadcast on both iTunes, uh, the audio version, and we broadcast on YouTube for the people who want to watch the interview. Uh, So on the interview today, we'll be interviewing Casey about uh, his own journey uh, in fatherhood, um, his family, his family travels, and we'll be focusing on the area blogging, how to make money as a blogger, and uh, yeah, just generally social media, social media influencing. Uh, So Casey, uh, why don't we get to know you a little bit better if you want to share a little bit about yourself and your family for the sake of the people listening and watching. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Ricky. Um So I'm Casey Palmer. I'm a blogger
1: from Toronto, Ontario, and I run a site called Casey Palmer Canadian Dad. And it's been running for about six, seven years now, and uh, it's changed a lot. My kids are super young. They're three and a half and one and a half, two boys. So I've changed from a man about town to this dad blogger entity, which has been an interesting transformation. Uh, And the blog is just raw honesty about what it's like to be a dad in Toronto and uh, challenges we face. And uh, every time we put something out, it's with a bit of humor, a bit of, you know, real life talk and just blend it all together into
0: something that people can relate to. Awesome. Very really awesome. So I'm actually from the other side of the country. I'm from Vancouver, BC, Canada, and our friend here, Casey, is actually from Toronto, BC, uh, Toronto, Ontario, Canada. So oh. we're on uh, East coast, West coast, but so we're still good mm. buddies even though we're on opposite sides. <laughs> so you mentioned something. Uh, You write about what it is like to be a dad in Toronto. Well, tell us about it. You know, for the people who are not living in Toronto, how is it like to be a dad in living in Toronto? Uh, For sure, it's uh, super super competitive.
1: We um, have one of the biggest baby booms in the entire history of Ontario, and it's hyper-focused in my neighborhood. So we're competing for services, for spots in schools, for spots in programs, for everything. So it's, uh, you're constantly keeping your wits about you and you just have to kind of figure out how to make the best of the situation. But at the same time, it's trying to balance, you know, trying to raise kids in the city, but also give them appreciation for what's outside the city, nature, um, other, you know, contexts around the world that people do different things in different countries. So it's always a constant balance trying to make sure that you have these kids who have access to everything a few city blocks away, but they don't end up spoiled, so they don't uh, lack an appreciation for the rest of the world and the other 7 billion people
0: that are living on the same planet as us. So you're based in Toronto, uh, but uh, you, you, know, you do a lot of uh, family travel with your wife and uh, two young kids. Uh, walk us through some of the journeys and the adventures you guys have been on so far. Sure. We've had um, good trips. We like My wife grew up in a camping
1: culture, so we camped together. And so we've uh, been able to do that. We've had trips that weren't amazing. We went to Mexico last year and we weren't adequately prepared. I think it was the first time we went on an international trip as a family of four and Mexico City, for those who don't know, is 2,000 plus meters above sea level. Uh, It was in the middle of May, so it was 40 degrees, and not exactly (laughs) stroller-friendly. So It was kind of a hot mess of a trip, and we learned uh, a bit about what we need to do as a family to orient ourselves around different cities when we uh, go traveling. So we've been able to uh, do different trips since then. Uh, My wife and my youngest son went to Calgary, And we've taken them to Montreal and other places within Canada. We haven't really done too much international with them yet, but we're hoping to go down to Jamaica uh, in January.
0: So we'll try again. You know, if at first you don't succeed, try and try, try, try again. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, you know, every parent can relate uh, to the struggles of being unprepared and uh, showing up with a stroller when it's all cobble streets, and then you have to actually carry the stroller, and then you got to carry the kid, so you got two things to carry instead of just one. (laughs) It's brutal, but we we made it. We made it. Uh, I'm also curious about, uh, you guys are an interracial couple, I, uh, I don't know, tell us about your background and your wife's background and how that works in terms of your marriage. Sure, um, I'm from a Jamaican background, we're both born in Canada, so we're both born in the Toronto area.
1: Uh, I'm from a Jamaican background and Sarah's from a Dutch background. Um, it doesn't come into conflict very often. It's, it's more that you have different elements of things we've been brought up with and how that blends into how we parent and how we see things, what we expect from the household. Um, but a lot of it comes down to compromise and discussion so that we're able to navigate around it. What I'm more interested in is seeing how like kids grow up as uh, mixed children and seeing how they identify with the two sides of their identity and what that means for them, the context of the world around them and things like that. So. It's going to be a lifelong journey trying to figure out how everyone
0: in this family plays their role, but uh, I look forward to it, so that's a good sign. Yeah, like uh, in my case, I'm actually Indian, but born in Canada. And my wife's Filipino, but she immigrated to Canada. So we're also a mixed couple, uh, Indian, Canadian, and then Filipino. And then our kids are like uh, always, my daughter always says, I'm Indian, Canadian, Filipino. I'm Indian, Canadian, Filipino. And like same thing, like what you're saying, like she's trying to understand her ethnic roots. Is she Canadian? Is she Indian? Is she Filipino? Or is she all three? And I think it's all three, but uh, she's trying to grasp that for herself. Great. Yeah, it's so going to be. Gonna be yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I mean, the more you look at it, the world is becoming very much one culture, uh, a lot of intermixing and intermarriage. I think it's just becoming more and more common. Uh, back in the day, maybe like 40, 50 years ago, it would be like it'll be um a, a shocker to have like an Indian and a Filipino or like a, a Jamaican and a Dutch person together, right? Right.
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely moving in a place where um, global culture is definitely something that uh, people are learning to embrace. I don't think it's. uh You know, it changes depending on where you are, the context around it, and how people approach it. But the more people are exposed to different kinds of people and different places, uh, the better it turns out for all of us.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And our kids are the future to uh, make that uh, reality a possibility. Uh, So, Casey, I'm curious about your blog. You mentioned you started your blog, you know, about 10 years ago, roughly, before you had kids. So, walk us through your blogging journey. When you started it, you had a whole different mindset. And then now, in twenty seventeen, at the time of the interview, whole different mindset. So walk us through, walk us through from the foundation and the conception onwards. Uh, Man, if I, it's one of those things. Like if I knew then what I know now, I would have changed. I would have started it
1: completely differently. But it just kind of started as a hobby. It's like I like telling stories, and I found myself online a lot and just kind of built a place where I could tell stories. And as time went on, I got to know about um, Twitter parties and things like that happening or tweet ups is what it used to be called back here, where you'd have people meet up to just like want to grab a beer together or whatever. And it got to a point where it started being five, six times a week. I'd be going out to things over and over again in the uh, early stages of my marriage. And I don't know how Sarah stayed with me, but it worked out. It's cool. So it it matured from just being at my computer writing stuff to meeting people with uh, like-minded who had similar interests in Toronto, and then it just evolved into now it's somewhere where I have um, stories I can share, I have the backing of different sponsors who want to see me succeed, and uh, now it's uh, very much a business enterprise that I'm kind of using to really improve what I can do for my family and the things I can give them. And ultimately though, it all goes back to um, now I have a better reason to tell stories. I, have a, I want to tell stories that 10, 15, 20 years from now, my kids can come back and look at it and learn from my experiences or get a better feel for who their dad was at certain points in time. So I'm trying to mix all that into um, this thing I'm doing in my spare time that that's become a very um, integral part
0: of who I am now, so. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: so I'm interested in the shift. Um, so the shift was you started as a hobby blogger, you know, just writing and processing um, your, your journey and then you made a shift from it to being a business and getting sponsors. So was it one person who reached out to you and said, hey, take my money? Or was it uh, you reaching out to some companies? Uh, tell us about when did that shift happen in terms of the time frame and uh, how did you transition a blog more from a hobby to a business? Sure. Um, I just two main factors, and it was late 2013 when it
1: happened. So one was having our first son. Um, suddenly, made me made me marketable as a blogger because before it was just. You know, you're a guy who goes to parties and does whatever. and people like you, great. But what is the relatability factor for brands? And suddenly as a dad, and, you know, as you well know, uh, Canada doesn't have a lot of dad influencers whatsoever. So I suddenly became this uh, individual shining in this crop of influencers where it's just like, wait, but he's a dad. (laughs) And and that made it it far easier to uh, get to know people. And I credit a lot of this path and starting this path to my buddy, uh, Zach, Zach Bussy. He's the guy who kind of threw me my first bone and he was just like, here, Uh, I think it was Maple Leaf Farms. They wanted the Dempster's brand. They wanted someone to make a sandwich and they had like an overnight turnaround. And it was my first paid campaign. And that was uh, almost four years ago now. So yeah, a combination of factors where right place, right time, knowing the right people, and also procreating. (laughs) It turned out really well.
0: Awesome, awesome. And uh, you know, I'm a dad blogger from Vancouver. My blog's called daddyblogger.com. Casey's a dad blogger from over there in Toronto. And uh, like Casey was saying, there's only about 20, 30 of us really who are active in the dad blogger space. Uh, I'll give a shout out to some of the fellow Canadian dad bloggers. Uh, you know, uh, we have uh, uh, Chris Reed over there, CanadianDad.com in Ottawa. We have Buzz Bishop over there in Alberta, uh, you know, uh, from Dad Camp. Uh, we have my good buddy Mike Grenick, uh, who's actually from Vancouver as well. Um, uh, he's at uh, topdaddies.com. Over on uh, the East Coast, the Atlantic area, we have uh, Justin. Uh, what's his site again? I'm trying to remember. Just, uh, we have Justin over there I'm on I the remember
1: Justin. Yeah. I know Matt <laughs>
0: Tully over there with
1: answerthetelephone.ca but trying to remember Just- Justin. I'm sorry, man. I talk to him all the time online.
0: I can't remember his site. This is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> See this is the thing. You need to have have a memorable site so then everyone will remember and all those ones. <laughs> there's CanadianDad.com and there's TopDaddies.com and there's uh Dad Camp and then there's Tally Telephone and there's uh there's a few others. Uh, apologies mm-hmm. to the dads that we forgot to mention, but shout out to you guys, you know. We got the 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 the, the, bro mans, the dad man's uh, happening here on the on the on the episode. Um, so, uh, I'm curious to know about um, some of the campaigns you worked in. Um, so uh, now that you, you you walked us through the shift when you got this campaign, mm-hmm. you got all excited, you're getting paid to write. Uh, walk us through, now you transition it into more of a business. So uh, what does that mean? Does that mean you write differently, that you approach brands, that brands approach you? Uh, walk us through the journey from that shift onwards? um well i
1: think i'm lucky in that i'm just too busy to go approach brands for the most part so most of it is cold emailing of brands or cold calls of brands coming in to have a chat with me and figure out what we can do together and as the years have gone on it's grown in magnitude and things have changed so does it change how i write i mean i think i write the same for everything i have personal pieces i write which i put you know, tons of effort into getting it just right, which might involve 30, 40 drafts until I'm like, this is what I want to write. Whereas, you know, with uh, sponsored items, you have deadlines and things you have to do. So I'll never sell it short to try and, you know, make a deadline, but I'll always, you know, write it at a certain quality, but I guess it has a somewhat different feel because, you know, it has to involve a product or service. Um, But fortunately, I guess what has happened over time is I've become known for, storytelling and speaking and being able to embody the human aspects of different brands through my voice. And that has kind of attracted others to me and got me into different conversations where uh, I think it's something that has longevity and sustainability. And I don't run out of stories because my story is my life and things keep happening. Things keep changing. My context keeps changing. Kids get older. They want different things. They want to do different things. And I can always kind of weave different things into that. So yeah, I have an ongoing list of um, public relations firms I work with and direct brand contacts, and I've built a bit of a Rolodex, and I just keep figuring it out as I go along. I don't really have any dull moments now.
0: That, that's a good problem to have, you know, uh, uh, you know having these connections with uh, PR companies, with brands, with companies, and also the companies reaching you. Uh, that's obviously a great thing to have, to get an, open your inbox on a Monday morning, and then all of a sudden... You want, my, you want my money, you know? Write about this product, write about the service. <laughs> but usually it's not always like that. Usually it's, True enough. would you like to review my app? <laughs> would, mm. would, you, would you like to uh, have a product for free? Um, so walk us through how you handle those kind of situations where uh, companies, brands, um, you know, businesses want to, want you to write about the product or service for free um, without any actual cash transaction. How do you handle those, uh, Casey? It really depends. I mean if i believe in the product or
1: service then i'll totally you know i'll figure something out it doesn't always have to be a cash transaction you can have you know different products or different services that align with what you do in your life um i know i recently you know name drop one i just did one for coleman where we just got a camping stove and a couple headlamps, and we camp all the time we have you know 15 other coleman products that come with us and What I think some influencers fail to remember is that um, you might be at a certain point now, but you had to start somewhere else where maybe you didn't have cash in that first direction. Maybe you just did a product thing and they wanted to just kind of test the waters and see how things go. So that later on, you know, could develop to something later on that is um, maybe more to your liking or what they want their relationship to be, but you have to start from somewhere. And so I don't really, I say no to a lot, like I get, 20 to 30 40 different emails a day of different things happening on a Monday to Friday. Saturday Sundays it's like okay I can shut my computer off and not look at it. <laughs> but Monday to Friday is like you know 30 40 emails a day of different things happening and you have to learn what is worth your time and what isn't especially if you are a parent especially if you already have another full-time job and other things that are tugging you in various directions. And so yeah it's kind of as as a you know dad blogger I'm my own secretary And my own PR and my own webmaster and all these other roles like that roll up into one and just kind of figure out how you use your time best. So it's a lot of uh, archiving emails, replying with, you know, yeah, this could work if we do this and it's, it's, you get used to the chaos.
0: And here I am. I thought I was actually the only one who had to do all of those things alone. I was doing the admin. I was doing the, the secretarial stuff. I was doing the uh, invoicing. I was doing the reviews. I was doing the video reviews, the editing. Uh, and y- y- I'm not alone. It feels good. <laughs> no, <man. laughs> you, I, I hear you, man. I feel you. 100%. I get it. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Casey, it's one thing to be a blogger, a whole other thing to be a social media influencer. So uh, walk us through, what does that mean? It's a new term, influencer marketing. Uh, what does it mean in this day and age to be an influencer? Oh man, there is
1: an army, an army of social media influencers who have come into the fray after, you know, blogging has been around since forever. And then now you have YouTube, Instagram, uh, Facebook to a degree. Twitter. and <laughs> But um, yeah, I mean, it's you you need to know how to package a message differently depending on the medium you're on. And I know for myself, I know there's there's tools that people use in order to just automatically broadcast things like if this then that or other scheduling tools that you can use. But what that loses in translation is the fact that you can't write things the same way for on a blog that you can for people on instagram for people watching video on youtube it's all very different and the people who are ex- excelling and succeeding in each of those are people who have learned that lesson and know how to speak to their audiences in the way that they are going to want to come back for more and so what i'm doing i know as a blogger and social media influencer is that i've learned how to put pieces of content together and either repackage it or reframe it so that it does meet my different audiences because I don't expect people to be exactly the same on every different channel. Um, And the people who get that, they tend to do well as long as they, you know, keep um, consistent with putting stuff out and they keep the level of quality consistent and the people who just automate everything tend to find themselves wondering why they're not growing. So, yes, yeah, there's a difference I find between the two, but it's all very tied together into, can you tell a story? Can you tell a story that's compelling? Can you draw people into your world so that
0: they'll care? And if you can do that, you'll be okay. Right. I'm curious to know about how you get your following and your engagement. Um, you know, you've, uh, you've amassed a big uh, blog following, a big Facebook following, Twitter, Instagram, etc. cetera. Uh, tell us about, walk us through, uh, how, did they, how did you actually grow it? Huh. uh Initially, I guess a lot of the growth. Well,
1: I guess it's like if we take it a phase approach. We're on like phase three right now. So phase one was face to face, getting to know people in Toronto, and that grew maybe like let's let's take Twitter. That was my first thousand or two thousand people. And then once you start working with brands, and you can start doing contests, and you can you know integrate you know follow me for a chance to win, and you do that, and that was maybe my next five thousand, six thousand followers. And now I'm at a point where I guess people know me for what I can give out and what I can do. And so I'm trying to actually uh, move a bit past just the concepts and do more. Like I can build tools and build interesting videos and other things with uh, larger brands, so that I can just, you know, have it all happen more organically from that point. And that's at a point where you um, have to start appearing on TV and have to start appearing on the radio and start being in a uh, larger exposure where you're beyond just like you hope someone's going to stumble on your site or your URL and be like, oh, I'm going to follow this guy because he seems interesting. No, you have to start putting yourself out there and getting yourself into larger networks, whether you write a book or you are doing uh, featuring on a podcast or whether you run a course, you just have to start doing bigger things so people get to see what you're all about. And that's kind of where I'm at now.
0: And that's exactly what you're doing today, by being on the podcast you're actually reaching a different type of audience and uh, uh, you know, good on you for uh, taking the initiative and uh, you know, uh, being on the show here today. Uh, Thank you. Thank you're <laughs> very welcome, happy to help another dad and another Canadian. Uh, Casey, uh, what would you say to someone who's just starting, uh, you know, uh, literally every single day there's people who are starting their, their blogs, starting new social media channels, and. You've made a lot of mistakes. You've been blogging and doing social media for a good uh, five to 10 years. So, what would you say to that person who's listening and watching now who wants to start from scratch? Um, my only rule is to take chances. You won't learn
1: unless you take chances. They, they, people will, there's, there's tons of best practices and there's tons of things online that say this is the way you succeed, this is what you do. But if it were that easy, everyone would be on top of whatever pyramid total, but whatever you want to call it. What you need to do is be able to get out there and figure out what sticks, what doesn't, what resonates with you, what doesn't. If you, you know, say you're gonna blog every day for a year and you're not the type to have something you want to share every day, you're going to fail. If you're the type who, you know, wants to get into tech blogging but you don't even like talking about tech, you want to talk about like sports, you're gonna fail. <laughs> you have to figure out what it is that makes you tick. You can't you can't have longevity at anything you do in life if you don't genuinely care about it because it will just grate away at you and you won't want to do it anymore because it'll just seem like a chore. So yeah, I, I encourage all new bloggers, social media influencers, just take chances, put things out there, make mistakes, learn from them. And then, you know, you keep consistently doing that and keep consistently putting stuff out. You get to a point where you're suddenly like, three years five years ten years later and you're just like oh man i've been doing all this stuff for so long and you just kind of look back on it you're just surprised that you've i guess lasted that long but you have to be able to take the first step and just put stuff out there let mistakes happen you don't start as a superstar on day one
0: and just go from it unless you're justin bieber but whatever <laughs> Well, even even Justin, you know, you gave that example, but he had to put himself on YouTube, and then uh, yep. someone had to find him, and then uh, yep. you know, it took him it took him a lot of work as well, and he took a lot of risks, and some That's of those true. risks didn't pay off, right? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, So uh, I'm curious about your vision for it. You've built up a successful blog, uh, you know, social media network. Uh, Here we are in the end of July 2017. Where do you see yourself in terms of the blogosphere, in terms of social media networking, in terms of your business in the next few months, and in the next few years, and beyond? That's an interesting question. I've, uh, you know what, I've been very
1: blessed with what I've been able to accomplish with the brand so far. And going forward, I just I'm building some key partnerships right now so that I can start to do things in a different way where I don't necessarily have to take on as much and still have the same degree of success. And it's always been my ambition to create things that last longer than just a one off article or whatnot. I want to build more tools and more items that will give people some sort of value in their life, whether it's you know a tool to get people out of debt whether it is a guide to living a better life or even just like travel guides that help people get the most out of the city they're true visiting um that's the kind of stuff i'm really drawn to so i think you're going to see a lot more work for me where i'm just kind of trying to uh really draw the most out of all the different skills and abilities i've accumulated over time and see where it goes but it's not a six-month plan or a one-year plan this is like Had to keep going five, ten years to figure it all out. In the meantime, I'll just keep, you know, writing and crafting things together, and I'm sure that
0: you'll see me all over the place on the internet as usual. So, you know, we started the show uh, talking about travel, and I like to end it the same way. Um, Any uh, bucket list items in terms of cities, countries, continents, or destinations that you really want to see as a family, Casey? Uh, I have a 20 year plan actually
1: for my family. So, in five years from now, we have to visit Walt Disney World because I've never been, and it needs to happen. So that's just a bucket list item there. Uh, in about 11, 12 years from now, when the boys are uh, about 15, 13, I do want to do a cross country trip from the East Coast to the West Coast so they can see what their nation has to offer them and they could better appreciate that. And then about 20 years from now, and they will be about 23 and 21, Um, I plan to take them to Tanzania because in 2012, um, my wife and I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro and did some safariing in Tanzania. So I think it's, it it was life-changing, eye-opening. And I think it's something I want them to experience at a younger age so that they can approach life in a way where they can appreciate more of what is out there and maybe the life they are privy to, uh, compared to just the vast variety of different lifestyles out there. So yeah, those are the three main ones. And in between that, I just kind of hope to just keep giving them experiences, taking them with me to uh, different places, different events, and just giving the best life I can offer them.
0: That sounds amazing. Uh, you know, taking them to the Disneylands, uh, taking them to uh, uh, across Canada, you know, I'd love to do that with my kids as well for them to appreciate our beautiful country from west to east up to north. And in uh, obviously uh, t- uh, Tanzania and uh, um, what do you call it? Mount Kilimanjaro. What an amazing family adventure that will be. Uh, have you actually told them yet? Uh, do they know about the 20 year plan? Uh, my wife does. She thinks I'm insane. Um, but the boys, they're too
1: young. They'll get there. And then one day, I think I'm just going to, you know, stick them in a plane. And we're like, yep, we're climbing
0: a mountain. It's happened. Sorry, boys. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, uh, that would be definitely an amazing adventure. And travel definitely is so uh, formative in our kids' mm-hmm. memories. And good on you for doing the travels you are. And good on you for documenting all of this uh, uh, the formative years of their life on your blog and on your social media. Uh, so, uh, Casey, to end off here, uh, if people wanted to connect with you, to connect with a fellow dad or just a fellow fellow blogger, or if there are a new blogger and they're trying to get some wisdom and insights and mentorship, um, how can they reach out to you and connect with you? Sure. Um, everything is at caseypalmer.com.
1: caseypalme dot com. Uh, all my details, uh, email social media profiles are on there and I'm always open to, um, you know, just giving people a leg up or a tip or whatever to get them in the right direction, especially dad, because there's so few of us. And I think it's so unique because we just don't have the same degree or feeling of competition. We're just kind of like all here. There's more than enough to go around. We just don't have enough people who are taking those opportunities. So
0: if you're a dad and you want to get out there and do something like talk to us. Definitely. <laughs> Yeah, I just want to say ditto to that. I mean, uh, I love connecting with other dads who are passionate about family and fatherhood and uh, making a difference in the world. So good on you for what you're doing over there in Toronto. And uh, yeah, if you're a dad, or even if you're not, still reach out to us. We'll still we'll still listen to you. We'll still help Seriously. you out, even if you're not a dad. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, man. This is great. Awesome. Uh, so once again, uh, you know, make sure you check out uh, Casey's blog. Uh, once again, it's caseypalmer.com, and he's Casey Palmer across the World Wide Web on all the different social media, and I'll have a link below so you can just click through. It'll be on YouTube if you're watching this, and it'll be on iTunes and the show notes if you're listening to this. Uh, so thanks again, and, uh, you know, uh, we'll catch up with you soon, uh, either in person or somewhere on uh, the beautiful World Wide Web in the data sphere. Thanks so much, Ricky. I appreciate it and thanks everyone for tuning into this episode uh, you know I, I know i've been inspired uh, in my own blogging journey and uh, social media journey by casey and i, I know you have too uh, as a listener so uh you know leave us a rating and review on itunes if you like this episode tell us what you think uh, and uh we're on facebook as well we have a page in a group and uh you know uh, across the uh, social media sphere we're digital nomad mastery and daddyblogger.com as well uh, so thanks everyone happy travels and we'll catch up with you soon